The main reason I'm here is not for you to see me, but to see and experience and encounter God, that you might know God. Do you know him? What did Jesus say? A person's a fool to store up earthly wealth and not have a rich relationship with God. It goes deeper than just coming to church. Coming to church is great, but it goes deeper than religion. It goes to the point of relationship. Do you have a deep and tangible and powerful relationship with him? Is your faith passive or is it passionate? What are you passionate about? If you have a smartphone, look at your smartphone. <laughs> look at your checking account. Look at your calendar. You can find out really quickly where your passion lies. Our passion has to lie with Christ first and foremost, above all other things. For what does the word say? You must worship no other gods but only the Lord. For he is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. Isn't that humbling? God's heart beats for you. Does your heart beat for him? He is passionate for you. Do you love him above all else? Do you know him? Not just know about him. Not just know of him. It's one thing to name him. It's another thing to know him. If we get this relationship right vertically, then we have a chance to get these horizontal relationships right. This is the horizontal manifestation of this vertical relationship. A life of no regrets with one another. Can we all say no regrets, please? No regrets. Yeah, it's easy to say, but not always so easy to do. In fact, I met a man before service who said, I have a lot of regrets, and we probably all have done things we wish we hadn't, or maybe we have things that we wish we would have done. We feel guilty or bad about that. Well, I encourage you to let the past be the past and begin this day anew in Christ Jesus. He makes all things new, and God can redeem whatever was lost by the grace of Almighty God. But it only comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. And I love this beautiful cross behind me. And for me, it's literally where I start every morning. I get on my knees because I need to. I said, Lord, I, I need your grace, your strength to live this life of no regrets, to love one another as you have loved us. And so very simply, that's where we invite you today, to the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm well aware that my words cannot change a life, but these words can, the words of Almighty God. So I want to share some scripture with you. Can you relate to this verse from Lamentations chapter 3? The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Have you been there? Maybe you're there right now. Like the woman who shared with me before service, whose one son died and now another is diagnosed with brain cancer. And you're right in the middle of that valley of a shadow of death. And you can't even attach words to it, right? What do you do? What do you do at a time like that? Well, thank God for Scripture. God gives us the answers. Yet I still dare to hope. Dare to hope. Can we say those three words together, please? Dare to hope. Yeah, that's not easy. It's countercultural. It's counterintuitive, right? Because we don't feel like it. It doesn't make sense. But I'm here to say that there is hope. There's strength for today and hope for tomorrow by God Almighty. And I hope my story helps bring it even more home to your heart. And this is where my story begins, is my parents, back in 1952, married one another, and they lived a no-regrets marriage for 60 years. Thanks be to God. Congratulations to you. 59 years, you'll be at 60 real soon. It takes a lot of hard work, doesn't it? In fact, when I ask most men, uh, what's your secret for a long marriage, the guy pipes up and says, yes, dear, 
right? <laughs> and that's very true. That goes a long way. But stay married to one another. Live a no-regrets marriage with each other. And look what God can do to bring a lasting legacy of faith and family. I am the youngest of eight children, and I thank God for uh, just the, the faith that our parents instilled to us. And growing up, we all went to church together, and we fill up a whole pew. And I called God Lord many, many times, but I hadn't yet made him Lord. There's a big difference. It's one thing just to call him Lord. It is another thing to make him Lord. I was going through the motions. I was saying all the things, but it was all in my head. It had a journey from my head down to my heart and now through my hands. And as a teenager, I started asking all these questions. God, are you real? Are you there? What does all this mean? What what am I saying in church every Sunday? And it brought me on a journey that brought me ultimately to my knees and a point of complete surrender with reckless abandonment. I said, Lord, I think I finally get it. You want my heart. You want all of me. Lord, I give you all of myself, and I want all of you. Come, take me over. I give you my life. It changed my life completely. In fact, I fell in love. I fell in love with Jesus. I fell in love with his word. I got my own personal Bible, and I started reading it every single day. And I encourage you, read this book every single day. Don't just try. Did you try to eat yesterday? Well, hopefully you ate, but don't feed your body and starve your soul. In fact, a wise man challenged me. He said, no Bible, no breakfast, no Bible, no bed. Can we try that one together, please? No Bible, no breakfast, no Bible, no bed. What does that mean? Well, when you wake up in the morning, where's the first place you run? Okay, where's the second place you run? Be honest. <laughs> After you ease nature, do you run to the iPhone? Do you run to thy throne? Do you run to the TV or do you run to the Almighty? Do you run to the world and catch up on the news? Do you run to the world? Do you run to Facebook and social media or do you run to the good book? I encourage you, run to him first. Give him the very best part of your day. And then at the end of the day, read some more scripture. If you have a spouse or children or family in your home, perhaps read with them. Embrace your day with the good news of Jesus Christ. There's enough bad news and fake news for the rest of the day, right? But we need to at least start and end our day with good news. In fact, this is scriptural, right? Very first chapter of Joshua. Meditate on it day and night. The very first psalm, study it day and night. No Bible, no breakfast, no Bible, no bed. You'll never regret it. And so I grew up there in Cincinnati. I studied piano as a youngster at the Conservatory of Music. I went on to study in Indiana for a few years in college down at Anderson. And while I do like to play the piano, I also do like to eat. And so I transferred back to Cincinnati to study electrical engineering. And part of my curriculum brought me all the way to Boston, Massachusetts as a co-op student where I was helping to design computer chips during the day at a high-tech company. And at evens and weekends, I got a job in downtown Boston playing the piano at a sidewalk cafe. Back when I thought having that mullet would be really cool. <laughs> now, not so much, huh? Let's pray they never come back. Amen? <laughs> Thankfully, it didn't scare away a pretty girl from northeast Kansas named Melissa, a farmer's daughter. She was a nanny for three young children. And there I was just minding my own business playing the piano, and she just plopped down on the bench next to me. I mean, it never happened to me. I'm a reserved, shy, introvert. I was a geeky, nerdy engineer. I didn't date a whole lot. I didn't know what to say. I was shaking in my boots just trying to keep my fingers on the right notes. <laughs> but suddenly, we just started talking. The words just started flowing. We started laughing together. She kept on laughing, probably because she kept on looking at my hair. But, you know, it had to be a divine appointment. How else could you get a city slicker from Cincinnati, a country girl from Kansas, in the middle of downtown Boston? That would be God. 
And our Bible says in Matthew 6.33, if you seek him first, he'll give you everything you need, right? That's why no Bible, no breakfast, no Bible, no bed. Don't seek the person, the promotion, the position, prestige, whatever it is. Seek God Almighty. And lo and behold, a divine appointment when you least suspect it. Of course, it didn't hurt that Melissa reached into her purse, pulled out a $5 bill, and put in a tip cup you see right there. Ever since then, she said, you know what? That's the best five bucks I ever spent. And so we quickly fell in love over an ice cream sundae. And I thought, you know, I better marry this girl. And on a romantic riverboat cruise in Cincinnati on New Year's Eve, I popped the question. She said yes right there with a the ring on her finger. And one year later, we married in Cincinnati. And she said, I do, even though I still had that mullet. After seven long years of college, I finally graduated with one degree and one job offer. It was from California. And so we took it and packed up our covered wagon and moved west and started our lives together. And we always wanted a big family. And God blesses with many children, although none ever came easily. And our first we named McKenna. She was over two weeks late, took over two long days of tough labor and delivery to get here, followed by a C-section because she was 9 pounds, 11 ounces, 22 inches long and upside down. After all that, somehow Melissa still said, it's okay. She's worth it. Yes, indeed, she is worth it. And when she was about a year old, I had to rush Melissa to the hospital. Had no idea what was happening. Turned out she was pregnant, an ectopic rupture. She almost died, and we lost a baby, and that stretched our faith to the core. We left saying, Lord, what was that all about? But we had to dare to hope that we could still have a big family, even now with half her reproductive organs completely gone. When you face death in eternity, it puts life in perspective, doesn't it? Whatever the death and whoever the death may be, it hits home. But it stressed our faith. We said, Lord, we trust you. And lo and behold, within about half a year, we found out we were expecting again. After five years in California, we wanted to move back to the Midwest. We moved to Kansas City, bought our very first home, and a few months later, he gave birth to our very first boy named Zachary. An eight-pound whopper, born completely naturally, no complications. Man, we were thrilled. <laughs> to the next day when the doctors came and said, we believe your son has Down syndrome. And bam, boy, that was like a baseball bat to my gut. There I was, buckled to my knees, saying, Lord, I don't know how to do this. How do we raise a child with special needs? How do we deal with this autism? His colostomy bag, his cleft palate. How do we teach him sign language to communicate? All these challenges, but all these blessings. And we quickly realized that a disability really is an opportunity to grow closer to God and closer to one another. We learned a lot of great things. We also learned, don't ever feed your boy an entire bucket of blueberries. Or he may say to you too, mom and dad, do I ever have a diaper for you? <laughs> I know because I changed that sucker and I'll never forget it. A couple of years later, we gave birth to another little big guy, another nine-pound whopper, another day and a half of tough labor and delivery, another C-section, but another miracle. We named him Nicholas. And then after our 10th wedding anniversary, Melissa said, we're going to have another baby. We're thrilled to have number four on the way. And two weeks later, we miscarried again. What's devastating was part of your heart, part of your flesh, part of you. Perhaps many of you know what that feels like to lose a child before birth or after birth, a full-grown child. Maybe you've lost your whole family through what I've heard called the living death of divorce. You've lost a parent, a grandparent, a spouse, a sibling. Every loss is uniquely devastating when you're the one going through it. And so we just kind of threw up our hands and said, Lord, what is it you want from us? Well, we just had an unction in our hearts, adopt, adopt. Just a little prompting, so we just went for it. 
We went to an innocent informational meeting there in Kansas City. And with these tears rolling down our cheeks, we knew this was for us. Long story short, 11 months later, we're on a 747 airplane flying from San Francisco, California, all the way to Beijing, China, because we heard about a little orphan girl that nobody else wanted, all because she wasn't perfect, all because of a heart defect. She was special needs. Without, well, we have a special needs boy, let's go get a special needs girl. She's perfect for us. So I'll never forget coming back to the Kansas City airport and crossing that jetway to greet the rest of our family and holding in our arms this beautiful bundle of joy. And we thought, oh, how can nobody want her? She is perfect. She's beautiful. She's spicy. And yet there's at least 143 million orphans on this planet right now. And it's up to us as a body of Christ to help care for them. We thought, well, we've got to start with just one at a time. So right away, she was just part of her family, just one of the gang. Of course, we can never quite make all four smile at once. You know how it can be sometimes? You get all the cookies, the toys, you sing a song. It doesn't always work, does it? Life is not perfect, but life is precious. And we learn particularly by having two special needs children how life is sacred. And I implore each of you parents and grandparents to love your children with all you've got. Don't let a day go by without letting them know how much you love them. Tell them you love them. Live a life of no regrets. Forgive each other. Tell one another that you love each other. We are pressed on every side by troubles. But we are not, can't see it from here, we are not crushed and broken. We are perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. Others make us suffer, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down. But we get up again and keep going. How do we do that? When life gets tough, we do this because there is hope. Because we grieve, yes, but we grieve with hope in the resurrection. I've staked my life on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And thank God that I did. Because almost 14 years ago, my life changed like I never could have imagined. Let's watch this. floods in Kansas Saturday night. Four young children were killed in one car. The rising waters trapped the family's minivan against a highway barrier until it broke, plunging the vehicle into a creek three stories below. Robert Rogers, who two weeks ago lost his wife and all four of his small children in a raging flash flood across Kansas Highway. Have you asked yourself again and again, why was I left here? Why was I spared? Well, I believe it was nothing short of a miracle. Um, God is not a taker of life. God loved the world so much that he gave. I believe he chose to spare me so that I might be a beacon of hope. Uh, a banner for families so that uh, we might reach others through this experience and help them to cherish their children and families. Hug and kiss them every day, every morning and every evening. 
tell them over and over how much you love him. Snuggle with him at bedtime. Place your hand on their heads and bless them every day as I did. No hug is unimportant. A very moving, a very moving soliloquy yesterday from a father who has lost so much. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall. Still be my vision, O ruler of all. Do you believe that? Am I really deep down here? Lord, whatever befall, no matter what happens, you are my vision, O ruler of all. You are my Lord. Is he your Lord? When a rubber meets the road, you find that out real fast. I could not possibly stand uprightly before you right now in a vertical position if he wasn't my Lord and if it weren't for my faith. My faith doesn't just evaporate or take away the pain. It still hurts. I still cry. With the full moon last night and the stars, I looked up the sky and still whispered their names. I still miss them. I still grieve. You never get over it, right? Get through it one day at a time by the grace of God. I still trust God. My faith that was with me that night after all six of us were washed off the freeway into this deluge. And somehow I was washed ashore and they took me by ambulance to a nearby hospital. In the middle of the night, an officer and a chaplain with their hats on their chest came to my room and said, Robert, we found your minivan. It was upside down a mile and a half from the freeway. And they said your three, three of your children were still in their car seats. And they are dead. And we need to ask you, Robert, to identify their bodies. What do you do? All my blood just went to my toes. I felt numb. At first, I couldn't even cry. They took me down this long hallway to the emergency room and turned left and pulled back the drape. And there before me was Zachary, just five years old. Nicholas, three years old. Alina, still one year old from China. We only had her for eight short months. And suddenly the floodgates of my tears just burst forth and I collapsed over each of their bodies and stroked their wet hair and cried and groaned and wailed from my gut like I was going to throw up again. And somehow I believe only by the grace of God, with one hand on each of their chests, I lifted my other to heaven and just said, Lord, into your hands I commend their spirits. Those words of Jesus on the cross just came to my heart. I knew I had to surrender. We own nothing. Everyone, everything we have is on loan, a gift from all night God. How many times have we sung, Jesus loves me, this I know, little ones to him belong. They don't belong to us. We have to surrender, total surrender. And it's not easy. They came to my room a few hours later and said, we found McKenna. She had apparently caught in this barbed wire fence just a short distance from our minivan. They had to go down that long hall and identify daddy's first Little girl. We just celebrated her eighth birthday only a few weeks before. 
And for days, we prayed and hoped that they would somehow find Melissa. Three excruciating days later, they finally found her in this retention pond that had tripled in size two miles from the freeway. What do you do? Where do you run when all is lost? How do you answer that question, why? We all have it, right? And that chaplain in the hospital offered me this verse that helped so much right when I needed it from Isaiah. The righteous pass away. The godly often die before their time. And no one seems to understand that those, that God is protecting them from the evil to come. For the godly who die will rest in peace. That gave me hope that my family was preserved in heaven where there are no more tears or sadness. That God rescued them in a different way than I would have liked that night. But I knew that they were fine. And right away, he started bringing other kinds of good out of this, as he promises to work all things together for good. People who'd heard or seen the news, and they told me later their lives were forever changed. And would you believe in the wreckage of a minivan, they uncovered our camera that we'd used that night at the wedding and the reception. You can see some of the candles and things behind us. It's a miracle they even found our camera. Another miracle, they were able to develop the role of film in the camera. But the biggest miracle of all, is that all four of our children are actually looking at the camera at once and smiling. That virtually never happens, right? They have that picture on a beautiful blue bookmark I'd love to give to each one of you before you leave today. I'll try to pass them out in the back, and there should be plenty on the table, just so you can see a miracle. Perhaps share it with someone who needs some hope. How do we do it? Real simple. We know it, right? God says, trust me. It's simple. It's not easy, but it is simple. Trust me in your times of trouble. And I'll do two things. I love this. Number one, he says, I will rescue you. I will. Some way, somehow, I'll rescue you. He rescued my family that night. They got to go to heaven. Boy, I have wished I was with them. Felt like we were all going together. I was tumbling in the water. I couldn't see. I couldn't breathe. I was ingesting the floodwaters. I was drowning. At that moment of near death, I literally felt the peace of God. Who's more blessed? Better is one day in its course than a thousand Anywhere else. Michigan is beautiful, but it's no match for heaven, right? (laughs) Nowhere on this earth is. But he rescued me in a different way. I was washed ashore. I don't know how, but by the grace of God, here we are in Coldwater, Michigan, this beautiful Sunday morning in July 2017. I can't explain it. But God is God, and I am not. I will rescue you, he said. It may not be your way. It may not be your timing, but it'll be God's way. It'll be good. That's number one. Number two, he says, and, and you will bring me glory. What? <laughs> Wait a minute, Lord. You sure you put the right word there, glory? Hey, Lord, this is my life we're talking about. I'm a wreck. I'm a mess. How are you going to bring glory out of this? But you know, out of your mess, God can bring forth a message. Out of your story, God can bring great glory. It all depends how we respond. Out of every great test can come a great testimony. Life can be about 10% what happens to you, about 90% how we respond to what happens to us. If you know God, then it's possible to respond in faith. It's not easy. But I did my best to do that. And as people started inviting me to come and to share the good news of Christ through this horrific story, I never asked for this. I never wanted this. I'm the shy, reserved introvert. I never wanted to be in front of people. But God often uses our weakness to display his strength. 
And so I answered the call and just said, Lord, I'll open my heart and you're going to have to do the rest. I started traveling around the world to minister to orphans in places like here in Haiti. Also after the tsunami, when hundreds of thousands lost their loved ones in turbulent waters. And I've been to Russia as well. And if I can offer one word that's helped me to heal the most these past almost 14 years now, it's this one word, serve. Serve. It sounds rather backwards, doesn't it? Well, when I'm in pain, I want others to pour into me. But what I found is you empty your life and pour into others, God will fill you up. It's in giving that you receive. You're going to reap what you sow. What I found as well is that you look into the eyes of those you serve and you see their heart. God will change your heart. He'll heal and transform your heart. And so through my passion for these orphans, I also began a foundation I call the Mighty in the Land Foundation with a big vision to sponsor or begin at least five orphanages around the world and honor my five heavenly family members. And one by one, God's been bringing it to pass. And in 2006, we dedicated the first one in Russia and called it the Melissa Home. Then in Rwanda, Africa, the McKenna Home. In India, the Zachary Village. In Uganda, the Nicholas Home. In downtown Beijing, China, Alina's Home. Back in Uganda, Hope Village. And in Haiti, Joy Village. And since we began this foundation, we've given or granted over $440,000 to help care for orphans and special needs children around the world, including here in the United States as well. Now, I can understand a lot of numbers, but I can't understand that number. It's way over my head. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with God. There is hope. Look what God can do to redeem our loss, our suffering, and bring something great out of it, like the loaves and fishes above and beyond what we could ask for or imagine. It's all him. I'm so honored to be a part of their lives. I've also been very honored to have partnered with Focus on the Family. As I literally scraped out the walls of my heart and put them on the pages of his book called Into the Deep. Into the Deep, one man's story of how tragedy took his family, but could not take his faith. I may have lost my family, but didn't lose my faith, my joy, my hope. And this book tells how. A lot of people have read it in a few hours. They said, Robert, I couldn't put it down. It's helped change the way I live my life. And do you know why? Not because of me, but because of him. Because I filled this book with this book. It's full of scripture. And that's truly what will change your life. And so if you need one of these, you just thought of somebody who couldn't be here who needs one. Hopefully I brought enough. And here's my pledge to you. If you need it and you can't afford it, you go ahead and take it. Okay, these are available to anybody for anything. I mean it sincerely. If you need it, you can have it. I realize it's July, but Merry Christmas in July, okay? <laughs> if you only have a dollar, that's fine. I trust you. I trust God. These all belong to him. I would much rather these go home with you than go back to Fort Wayne in a box with me. There's also a Spanish version available if that's helpful to anyone. And after my family died, into the camera I said these words. I said, I have no regrets. Not because we lived a perfect life at all, but because that day they died, I hugged them all. I told them I loved them. Our hearts were clear. And so many people came to me later and said, Robert, how did you come to live that life of no regrets? And so it just prompted me to put down words in another book. I call Seven Steps to No Regrets. Just seven key principles of living a life of no regrets with God and with one another. It's full of stories of all that God has done since the flood and full of a lot of scriptures that will help at least point your life in the right direction towards him. Again, these are available to anybody for anything. Take whatever you need, or you just give whatever you feel led. And again, because people kept asking me, Robert, how did you get through it? What worked for you? 
Now, I'm a really slow reader. You should see my nightstand. I'm an even slower writer. Each book, one of these books is a big labor of love. But people ask me, and so I just put down words in a book I call Rise Above. How to heal the hurts and overcome the worst. Because when you're going through that valley, it's the worst. And so it's full of well over 100 scriptures. It's only about 100 pages long. It's a quick and easy read. But I pray it'll help your walking, whatever you're going through. There's also a, a video back there of our family story and some music CDs, one of me trying to sing and some piano instrumental. Take whatever you need or feel, give whatever you feel led. Because I do this full time. And why? Really, why drive up an hour here this morning and share this difficult story even one more time? I could easily be doing a lot of other things. I have a bachelor's in engineering, a master's in business. I could just have a high-paying, high-tech job. Well, I'm here because pastor invited me. <laughs> and he's passed almost 14 years. Over 1,100 places and people have invited me. And all I said is, yes, okay, I'll come. My testimonies cost me everything. I charge nothing. I don't have an agent. I don't charge fees. In fact, on that bookmark, there's a phone number at the bottom. That's my cell phone. You call that, you get me. I try to be very accessible, very transparent. Why? Because I'm passionate about God. I want to help turn people's hearts back to God. I'm passionate for families. I want to help turn parents and children back to one another. And I recently cast an ambitious vision for this ministry by the year 2020 to impact in person, just like this morning, well over half a million people. We're well on our way to achieve that in three ways. Number one, evangelize souls. Number two, to help restore families back together. Number three, to help heal broken hearts by teaching us all to live this life of no regrets, starting today. But I can't do it alone. I need your help. Could you just help in two simple ways? Number one is if this testimony has impacted your life, you just thought of somebody else or another city, another church, another state, anywhere coast to coast, just pass the word. You can connect with me online or just grab one of those bookmarks or even a brochure and just pass it along so other people can encounter Christ through our family story. That is my heart. That's number one, but number two is most important. Pray. Could you please pray for me? Don't we all need prayer? Could you pray just one time a month? What's your birthday? Just pray on that day every month, just 12 times a year. Simple way to remember it. There's a little sign-up sheet in the back if you want to just jot down your name and commit to pray. And if you do, just take for free as my gift to you one of these green wristbands. It has my motto on it, no God, no regrets. It's a reminder to pray, but it's really for you. A reminder to know God more every single day and to live that life of no regrets. It's a reminder of no Bible, no breakfast, no Bible, no bed. I thank you for your prayers. Then I saw in heaven and a new earth, a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. For these things are gone forever. Thanks be to God. There is hope by the grace of Almighty God. He says, be joyful in hope patient through that affliction and faithful in prayer. Don't ever give up praying. Don't ever lose your trust and faith in God. Don't ever turn your back on him out of spite, but turn your face to God in faith. For, Lord, you've allowed me to suffer much hardship. We could probably all agree with this. Yes, Lord, you've allowed me to suffer a lot of tough stuff, but 
I love this. You will restore me to life again and lift me up from the depths of the earth. Isn't that good news? That's what the resurrection's all about. He's done it all through time. Remember Job, who had everything and he lost everything? He lost his business, his health, and all ten children. But even when it's darkest, light comes bursting in. Light dawns for the upright. Read the last chapter of Job. God restored him double of everything. In fact, double the family as well. He had ten in heaven, ten more children on this earth, seven boys and three girls, just like he had before. And the Bible says that from Job's experience, we see how the Lord's plan finally ended in good. Don't you love that? Don't you love a good book, a good story with a happy ending? I do. God is a God of happy endings. Heaven ultimately, right? But even the seasons and chapters of your life on this planet can have good endings. If we trust in him, there is hope. Can I prove it to you? That'd be okay. Okay, look at this next picture. 11 years ago in Fort Wayne, Indiana, a beautiful girl said to a guy like me, I do. Her name is Inga. She's not from Sweden. She's from Indiana. So now I'm a Hoosier. <laughs> and thereafter, God blessed us with a beautiful son who we named Ezekiel. And then God blessed us with a gorgeous daughter who we named Estella. And after a very traumatic miscarriage, a little baby boy stillborn, about five inches long and five months long, we had to bury him. But then God blessed us with another son who we named Leo. And we did leave another time, God blessed us with a beautiful daughter we named Lola Elizabeth. Behold the hand of Almighty God. Is anything impossible with God? Nothing's impossible with God. You see, almost 14 years ago, my beautiful wife and two mighty sons and two lovely daughters died in that flash flood in Kansas. Now somehow, God has graced me with a beautiful wife and two mighty sons and two lovely daughters. How is that possible? But by the grace of Almighty God. Is it no wonder my knees hit the floor every morning? I assure you, they do. Because I don't deserve them. I'm nothing. I'm just dust and ashes. But because I know God through his son, Jesus Christ, he calls me son. Look how much he loves me. Look how much he loves you. He gave his only son that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Oh, I love my family beyond what words can express. Our children are ages 9, 8, 6, and 5. So we have a very active and loud household. <laughs> we home educate them. And I can't wait to get back in the car and zip home and squeeze the cheese out of them. In fact, we got a bale hay today for my wife's father. And so uh, we got to get home and start bailing. But uh, I just love them to pieces. And by the way, we can't get them to look at the camera once and smile either. <laughs> Thank God we can laugh, huh? Well, let me wrap it up with one last image of God's amazing attention to detail in our lives. Because God truly is in the details of life. You see, after my family died, I had to bury all five of them at once. And there's hardly any words even to try to describe that. But there at the cemetery in Kansas City after the burial, I had these balloons, and I just felt compelled one by one to release them up to heaven. But I didn't quite want to let them pluck out of my fingers. But I had to let them go. And I still release balloons to this day. It helps me. But we came... Back to my empty, hollow home after the funeral and burial. I lived there for nearly three years by myself. But on the first day back with my parents, my siblings by my side, we're just clinging to each other for dear life. And we just happened to wander into our laundry room. And there on the wall was this calendar that my daughter McKenna had made as a school project a year before the flood. And it was still in August, but now it was September 6th, Saturday, the day of the funeral. And so we just happened to flip it up 
and our jaws might hit the floor because there's McKenna going to heaven. She never drew herself in any month, but only this one. She's holding balloons. I just released balloons at the cemetery. She's holding six balloons. Six people died that night of the flood. She's got a big smile on her face. Her feet are off the ground. There's a woman driving the bus. Melissa was driving her van that night when we hit the floodwaters. There's two boys and a girl still in their car seats. Our two sons and youngest daughter were still in our car seats when they found our van later that night. And if you, know where, if you notice, I'm nowhere in the picture. It's just the five of them. And off to the right is the stoplight. She colored red as if that's the end. Well, if that's not enough, remember that last roll of film they miraculously uncovered in the wreckage of a minivan developed? They also came out of this picture we'd snapped after the bride and groom left the reception. And all the balloons from the car were on the pavement. And of course, our kids were playing with them. And lo and behold, there's McKenna in virtually the same exact pose as she drew a year before. This has taken hours before they went to heaven. But look, balloons in each hand, arms up to heaven, big smile on her face, her feet are off the ground, and you see what's right behind her? There's that stoplight, just like in her picture. We put those two next to each other, and friends, I'm, I'm not superstitious or hocus-pocus, but this is no coincident. This is a God incident. This is real. This book, it's real. It's not just a bunch of stories. You can live your life by it. Heaven is real. And hell is real. And you will spend eternity in one of those two places. And that's the main reason I'm here today, is to make sure we don't miss it. To make sure we don't hear, depart from me, I never knew you. But rather that we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Every funeral, every death reminds us just how thin the veil is between this world and the next. Between time and eternity. So we must not depart from here unchanged, but rather... Let this encounter with eternity turn us away from sin and to the Lord. I'd like to share and close with a psalm that I composed for my daughter, McKenna. Because I had a lot of questions, you know. Lord, why did I live and they died? But I was so comforted when I realized their last breath on earth was followed immediately by their first breath in heaven. You taught me what it's like to be a daddy. To be invincible in your eyes. You taught me what it's like to be the king of our castle and whisk my little princess away. But what was it like to break the bonds of death into life? And what was it like to breathe in your last breath and not die? What was it like to pierce the earthly veil to heaven? Can you teach me somehow what is heaven like? You taught me what it's like to kiss my princess goodnight. But when the rain came, I couldn't save your life.
McKenna, what was it like to break the bonds of death into life? And what was it like to breathe in your last breath and still not die? What was it like to pierce the earthly veil to heaven? Can you teach me somehow what is heaven like? And what is it like to walk through heaven's door? And what is it like to dance on streets of gold? And what is it like to savor heaven's ice cream? And what is it like to hold Jesus and just gaze in his eyes? What was it like to pierce the earthly veil to heaven? Can you teach me somehow? Can you show me somehow? Darling, teach me somehow. What is heaven like? Just like that, life can change in an instant. We just don't know. I'm so thankful for that. Beautiful recording left on my phone just two weeks before the flood. And I just happened to save it. I love especially what they said. Did you notice they never said goodbye? They just said goodnight, Daddy. And that's the truth. Because when we're in Christ, there is no goodbye. It's just goodnight. Yes, we've been endures for the night. We cry a lot of tears. But joy comes in the morning. Joy will come. Because God is faithful. He says, I will be faithful to you. And you will finally know me as Lord. Do you know him as Lord? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day and all that you've blessed us with. We thank you, Lord, for revealing yourself through your word and even through testimony. So, Lord, let us take your words to heart and surrender. Right now, we surrender our hearts, our wills, our very lives to you. 
and invite you to come in and take us over. That as we go forth from this place, we would know you, love you, serve you and follow you all of our days with all of our might. We pray these things through Christ our Lord. Amen.